Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of We Believe in Film. It's Friday, September 15th, 2017. I'm your host, Timothy Ditzler. Now, on today's show, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite film stocks. It's going to be both 35 and 120 and some 4x5. That's about all I have experience with. I haven't shot anything past the 4x5 realm. Don't do much 220 or 110 film, any of those kind of like weird off sizes. You know, I've shot a couple random box box camera, you know, rigged <laughs> rolls, but, uh, you know, nothing really too crazy. This is just kind of like my standard, you know, favorites episode. So, you know, I'm a black and white shooter, so I'm going to start off with the black and white films, you know. I would say that I've been shooting Kodak Tri-X the longest with the black and white film. And, you know, I think it looks great at box speed. And as you know, I always push it to 1600. You know, I've been shooting with an orange filter a lot lately, but I might tone down. After after the latest roll of uh, T-Max that I shot, I shot it without any sort of filter on the lens. And I am extremely stoked on the results that I got without using the orange filter. Like, definitely still super high in contrast because of pushing the film, but not completely crushed out, like where I'm losing the detail in the blacks. So I'm gonna lay, lay off, lay off the orange filter a little bit. Not gonna, not gonna give up on it completely, but I think it's got a, a time and place, and I'm gonna start being a little more selective with using said filter. But, I definitely got pushing Tri-X and, you know, HP5 to 1600 from Matt Day. I think he really made that pretty popular and standard when he, you know, made his video about pushing film to 1600. So that's pretty much where I got that whole thing. And I've been shooting Tri-X at 1600 for my personal projects, for the, 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 the two long-term projects that I've been doing for the last couple years. They're, it's always, you know, one camera, 35 millimeter, and Kodak Tri-X, or I've been slipping in some T-Max lately, just trying it out at 1600. So, you know, I think it looks great at box speed as well. When I shoot a point and shoot, you know, with the DX code on it, I usually keep it at box speed. So, it's it's pretty good like that. So I don't mind shooting it at box speed. I just like the extra the extra reach that you get when you push the film. Now, it's kind of it's not like your, you know, 1600 on your DSLR. It's it's a little bit different pushing your film. You're just kind of jacking up the contrast more, you know. You're not just like letting more light in and stuff. You're you're actually just a adjusting the contrast <laughs> it's what i found i mean yeah you do you you are more capable of picking up images in the dark when you're pushing to 1600 but you're also adding you know double or sometimes triple the contrast to your photos as well so that's kodak triax you know that's that's my staple that's if i were to get a film tattoo it would be a canister of kodak triax because that's like my that's a, associated with my brand but that brings me to T-Max, so Kodak T-Max. Now, I don't have as much experience with the T-Max as I do with the Tri-X, but I'm pretty new to this film. You know, I shoot it at 35, at 400 to 1600, just like the Tri-X. You know, if, I'm, if I have it in a point and shoot, I'll, I'll just keep it at box speed at 400, and then also just 1600, shoot is the same as the Tri-X with an orange filter. So, 
Um, with the T-Max though, I really love the contrast and the tea grain that it has. So the, the contrast in the grain is definitely a lot different, but it kind of varies. Once you start pushing the film to about 1600, the, the grain changes dramatically, at least for me and the developer I use. When I push T-Max, now it, it, it definitely gains a whole heck of a lot more grain and it starts to change like the way it looks. And um, let's see here, uh, 4x5. Now, I shoot a lot of Kodak T-Max 100 with the 4x5. That came along with the camera that I got. There was a box of 100, and I've been shooting that pretty much nonstop. I, I really like to keep it for the large format as, you know, original as possible. So I like to keep that at 100, and I, I think it really holds up great. The 100 holds up great when you push it. We're going to have to go to Chapter 2 here. Just one last thing with the T-Max. Like I, I said, I've been shooting a lot of 4x5 T-Max 100. Now, I haven't pushed that any further than 400. So I'm sure that it starts to, you know, break down and get super grainy once it's in that, you know, once you push it to, it, to its limit. But I love, for, you know, large format photography, I love the grain structure of T-Max. I mean, if you're going to be shooting at that resolution, you should be using a, you know, a grainy, a grainy film. But, um, and then uh, moving, moving on to the, to the next um, the next stock that I use, I would I would say that Lamography's Lady Grey is is definitely there in in the same realm as the Kodak T Max and Triax. I think because they are re-rolled old, maybe expired rolls of T Max or Triax. I I tried to do a little research on them, but I didn't really find what I was looking for with the research. I I kind of ran out of time. But I, I just love the way that Lady Grey looks. The whites always look so washed out. And I'm, I'm kind of into that. I'm sure you guys realize that because I talk about it all the time. I love my white whites and my black blacks. But um, for a cheap film, you know, you can get those three packs of Lady Grey for, I think it's like 12 or 15 bucks or something like that. So if you're in a pinch and you can't get your hands on T-Max or Tri-X, you know, grab some Lady Grey. Now, I didn't put any notes on Ilford films because I'm more of like a Kodak shooter, but shooting the 4x5 all the time, I don't really have, other than the T-Max 100, I don't have any Kodak films for 4x5. I shoot a lot of Ilford, and I shoot the Ilford HP5, and then I shoot the FP4, and both look pretty much the same. You know, the FP4 is a 125 ISO, so it's going to be lower in the grain, and the HP5 is definitely kind of like compared to Tri-X, so it's going to have a heavier grain structure, and both of those though, like I've, for 4x5, I really appreciate Ilford's films. I'm I'm big into the HP5 and the FP4. The FP4, I was shooting at the lake. I don't know if you've guys seen any of the Radnor Lake photos that I took, but those were all shot on Ilford's FP4 and just in love with the contrast. I didn't even, I'm telling you guys, I didn't even bump the contrast, you know, adjuster in Lightroom even a little bit. I scanned it, I cleaned the dust out of it and just sent it, you know, it looked great just the way it was. So that's it for black and white stocks that I shoot most of the time. So it's funny being a black and white shooter, I tend to, I actually, 
I almost say I tend to. I actually shot a lot more color film when I first got started into shooting film. So I tried so many different stocks from, you know, Portra to Ektar to just pharmacy films, the Golds, the Fuji Superiors, um, slide films, you know, Provia. I think Provia was the E6 film that I shot a lot of the times. But I kind of just want to do a quick run through of the color films that I was into shooting. And if I do still need to shoot color on something that I still grab to shoot. Again, sticking with the same, I'm I'm a Kodak shooter, so I never really had any luck with the Fuji. Uh, a lot of people like to shoot the Fuji 400H, and you know, I shot about two or three rolls and wasn't that impressed. I'm I'm not a cool tone kind of shooter. I'm I more you know gravitate towards the yellows and the reds. So that's going to bring me to the Ektar or the the Kodak Portra. Now, Portra 160 is probably the most shot color film that I've, that I've ever shot. Like, when I first got into shooting medium format, I bought a couple boxes of the, you know, the five packs you get for 120 of Portra 160. Now, super low grain, and it holds up great in low light. One thing that, you know, when you're shooting without a meter is, is kind of good. So if you shoot a little underexposed, it's not gonna, you know, say like Ektar gets real muddy when you underexpose. Or when you over, yeah, when you underexpose, when you when it's too dark, and um, you know, Portra 160 is awesome for outdoor portraits. Like if I'm doing an engagement shoot in like a mountain or something, or like a, a field, and it's it's a beautiful day out, I'm going to use Portra 160 because that's going to be the closest to digital. I would say that, you know, and and they want they, I I like the grainy aspect of film for personal work, but you know, clients wouldn't necessarily love grain in their in their images but also you know with a higher ISO is going to come more grain so I usually try to stick with the 160 if at all possible but um, I also have a lot of experience with shooting their 400 and 800 speed films so again I just love the color tones of Portra you know especially once you're getting into the 800 ISO I feel like the yellows and the reds really really pop and you know I've had the 800 break down a little bit more in the darks so it doesn't hold for me this is in my experience it doesn't hold like uh, a darker image as well as say the 160 and I just think that that's because of the grain structure you know the higher you get in the ISO the more grain you're gonna have so it just doesn't hold up as good but you just have to be on more with your with your light metering but um, again the 400 and 800 I would say the 400 is probably one of the most you know shot portrait films like I hear professional photographers always talk about using Portra 400 now we're gonna go to Ektar. Now Ektar is a fickle you know what. Um, love Ektar though. That's probably gonna be besides the Portrait 160, the Ektar 100 is gonna be like my favorite, favorite film. You know, I shoot a lot of cityscapes and landscapes and stuff. So, especially with the 4x5. The 4x5 shots I got on Ektar are some of my favorite photos I've ever taken. And that's like years of taking pictures. And Ektar shots are always in my top 10 favorite shots of all time. So, um, 
definitely my second most shot color negative film. It's got amazing vivid colors. Like if anybody shot, I mean, just Google, Google Kodak Ektar and just look at how vivid the skies look, you know, how lush the greens look. Like it is just a wild, wild color. Now we had on the Analog Talk podcast, we had Wendy Laurel on as a guest. She's a photographer, analog photographer out of Hawaii. She does a lot of, you know, family portraits and wedding engagement photos and weddings and stuff like that. Exclusively shoots Kodak Ektar. Like that is her, her favorite, her favorite film stock. And the colors that she gets, I mean, it's, it's almost surreal. It's like Easter, Easter colors she's pulling out of this. And that's like the crazy blue waters. I mean, Ektar is, it's not the best for portraits. And I definitely learned that the hard way. I did some portraits for a friend of mine. He was putting out a new album and he needed some headshots for the album art. And definitely learned that the hard way. I had some extremely green skin tones and pink skin tones, like just not true skin tone. So it is definitely not a portrait film, but I'm sure it's something you can adjust with a leveler or something. You know, you can definitely fix it in post, but we shoot film for the the results, you know, we don't want to have to change it or we'd be just shooting digital. So, you know, definitely keep Ektar on the back burner for, you know, landscapes or cityscapes or you go on vacation to somewhere tropical, man, pack Ektar. Like you will not be disappointed. It is, it is 100% an amazing film. Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, I, I only shot a little bit of slide film in my day. Now, I'd say maybe two handfuls of slide film. I shot, you know, a bunch of slide on my Mamiya RB67, which those slides look amazing, and a bunch of 35. And, you know, slide film is you have to nail your exposure. And I shoot a lot. I would say, like, when I first got into shooting film, I was doing a lot of... Sorry, motorcycle. I was shooting a lot of guessing, you know, I was out just guessing exposures and taking shots like that and not the best film to be doing that. One, it's expensive. Two, it's, it's just doesn't have a, a, a great range of, you know, exposure, like an exposure latitude. It just doesn't have a great range. So you're, you're really grabbing for, like, you have to be dead on with with color positive film and that is something I'm going to look into now that I'm shooting large format photography it's definitely where I want to be going with like landscapes because I see like photographers like Ben Horn and Eric Wallstrom and Alan Brock like those guys shoot some amazing stuff on slide film so I'm going to have to check it out I'm going to have to look into it but I also, before we wrap this up, I'm like minutes away from going into work. But before we wrap this up, I want to touch on the developers, the black and white developers that I used, and just the handful of color developers that I used. So this guy's beeping in my ear. We're going to go over to a fourth chapter. We're getting a fourth chapter today, guys. Okay, last but not least, let's talk about developers. Now... I don't have a lot of experience with black and white developers. I know that sounds crazy because I've been preaching about this developing your own stuff at home for so long now. But honestly, like if I if I want to get real about this, I need to be 100% with you guys. And I've only tried three different film developers. I've tried. Uh, I started off with Ilfasol's three. Ilfasol three. Ilford Ilfasol three. Man, that's a mouthful. A lot of. ILFs. Um, 
yeah started off with that and you know kind of loved that but i loved it because it was the only color developer that, or it was the only black and white developer that i've ever tried and and then moving on i got into i was like if i'm shooting kodak film all the time i should probably using you know kodak developer i'm sure it's a a better result and whatnot so that's when i started getting those one gallon powder bags of d76 and i just mixed that to stock you know that's my everyday developer i always have two gallons of that mixed up and on my developing shelf ready to go at all times so i always have that ready and i did use xtol i think it's kodak's xtol i tried that once and it was just too clean i didn't i didn't really care for it and from the, the things that i read online like people were using it to do you know um, like a still development or a sit development so i just kind of put that down and and didn't you know didn't really pick it back up because i found i found what i'm looking for with the d76 developed like at stock so i just try to keep it keep it simple and you know just have a constant so my all my photos kind of resemble the same look you know i i found what i was looking for in two tries and i i consider that pretty cool you might not have the same results if you're trying to get into you know there's so many different film developers out there there's like rod and all there's h something something kodak i forget what it's hc 110 that's what it's called and there's a bunch of other ilford developers you know there's you can make calf and all like there's just so many routes you can go down with developers but that's it that's what i use d76 stock and just roll with it and then as for c41 i've either used the unicolor kit or the jobo kit and you know those are self-explanatory you just get packs of packs of powder you mix them up into bottles you know you heat the temperatures and the same with the unicolor e6 kit now it's a little i think there's an added step to that there's one, two, three, four steps instead of three, like the C41. And it's seriously just as, if you can develop C41, you can develop E6. But the E6 chemicals are definitely more expensive and a little harder to come by. But I can get a bag of D76 stock and for I think like eight bucks at my at my film store. If you're looking on Amazon, you're looking at spending a little more with shipping. I think it's around $11 with shipping. But that's that's that, you know? Not scared in the least about home developing. I, I love developing from home, you know? It's the easiest thing in the world. Definitely a great feeling, and I feel like I've turned a couple people on to doing it, so it's if, if you're thinking about it and you're on the edge, you should definitely get yourself into it. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not as scary as you think. You just need a couple bottles and a sink, and you got yourself <laughs> you got yourself developed and filmed at home. You can do it super minimalist style. Ted Forbes, the art of photography, has a couple videos on like minimalist darkroom stuff online. I'm gonna do a minimalist darkroom video here. It's definitely on the list of you know the next couple weeks of videos coming up. But yeah, I hope that helps you guys decide on maybe a film stock or something like that, or just you know you get to enter my brain and see where I'm coming from. But I'm going to have to call it here. Work calls. I need to get in. I can see it. Oh, it's, it's right there. I don't want to go, guys. I just do not want to go. But you can find me at Timothy Makeups on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Timothy Ditzler, D-I-T-Z-L-E-R. Every Wednesday on iTunes and Google Play. You can find me on the Analog Talk podcast. Every Monday through Friday, you can find me on here. And guys, I was thinking of a hashtag to use for this if you guys want to link me on stuff. So if you just want to tag my Instagram or hashtag um, 
we believe in film or WBIF, we believe in film, you know, I'll definitely check it and we can get a conversation going on there. Trying to find an easy way for us to communicate with this whole thing because I love talking to you guys. But I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you go out and you shoot. And I will see you. I think I'm doing a Sunday show. So I'll see you Sunday. Bye.